All right, we are one month into the year. One month. So when we did our 2023 projections, not many albums had been announced for this year. So oh boy, oh boy. What is now your most anticipated album of the year? Because a lot has been announced in the last so, 30 days. This is an odd pick, but it's got to be Follow Boys mm. right now. Mainly because I really like that first song that they released. Yeah. I don't really care for the second song, to be honest with you. But that first song, um, Love from the Other Side, yeah. um, is such a return to form. It's so fallout boy it's like i feel like after thanks for the memories they lost their way and they you know went to pop yeah and now they're reeling it back in and i'm very excited and and i wonder if it's like they took the hints that a revival of that punk at the sound is coming back so it's like oh we can return now um (laughs) we must arise (laughs) we must arise so there's that and then of course under oath has hinted at a new album this year that should be good. I have to consult the note on my phone. I'm trying to think who else. There's someone else who said they're coming out with new music and I can't think of their name. Oh, 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 of course. The biggest one. Um, Sleep Token is coming out with a new album. They've released four songs. I sent them to you. I don't think you listened to them. I haven't to them, listened to them yet. You should listen to them. Uh, you can probably ignore the summoning because it has a lot of screaming. You may not like okay. that one. But the first two songs you would love. Um, Yeah, they're coming out with a new album. Fun fact about them, I'm sure some of you already know this, uh, no one knows who he is. Ooh. All we know is he's from England. I like it. And I am putting money that he is going to perform. If you had told me he was British, I would have listened sooner. Okay. Okay. Fun fact time for Beth Ann. Fun fact time. Remember in 2018 when I discovered Lizzo before yes. the rest of them did? She only had 300 followers, 300,000 followers. That was it. Same thing with Sleep Token. I found him when he was only 100,000 followers and I was listening to him. And now he's a million. It's recent. Recent. Uh, And then there's a TikTok channel I follow called Roll for Sandwich. I found that fucker when he only had 8,000 people following him. Now he has 2 million. I am just saying I have a gift. If a record company would like to hire me as an A&R rep, (laughs) I am available because apparently... I have a gift. Roll for sandwich. <laughs> anyway, continue. Um, I have a note on my phone because so many al- albums got announced at one time that I was like, I'm not going to keep all these straight. Fair. So we got to re- organize this. Um, This week, which will be out by the time this, this episode is out, is Paramore's new album, which I'm, I'm excited for, but it's a lukewarm excitement. I'll listen to it, but... I've had friends yeah. who have gone to the album listening parties because they live in actual cities that have actual events. Um, Wait, what? <laughs> a bunch of record stores had listening parties this week. No, I know that. I mean, the oh, idea they live in like Boston and Nashville. The idea of actually living in a in an actual city. Um, and they really liked it. So oh, nice. we'll see how that that is. But like, I'm excited. Um, the thing I am most excited for this spring is the most ridiculous and it is the daisy jones and the six soundtrack because i love daisy jones and the six it's, it has a very mixed reception some people hate it um the book but the show comes out march 3rd and they yeah. made the fucking album that exists in the the book like 
that's gonna be cool not just the songs they need to be they made the whole damn album very excited for that and then the next week we get miley cyrus's endless summer vacation and macklemore's new album i love mac i shamelessly yeah. love macklemore uh, Mac- macklemore i have memories because i got married the same year all his music started mm. dropping like 2013 i was supposed to zach and i were supposed to see macklemore i guess it would have been about that december yeah but it snowed and we couldn't get out of our driveway like because oh, they didn't they never sucks. plowed our street in our first house so and we all we had was our shitty tiburon and my beetle and we were like yeah we're stuck we're not going to richmond that sucks so maybe i'll see macklemore this time around um, and then the only other thing I have on my list right now is on my birthday, we get Fall Out Boy and Lana Del Rey's new album. So mm-hmm. that's a win for me personally. And also I am still manifesting this into the ether. My Chemical Romance album. It's coming. It's, it's gotta be coming. I feel it in my bones. And listen, I have, to, I've just showed you, I have a gift. It's gotta be coming. I feel it. Especially the thing that most convinced me was the Fall Out Boy video with all the weird emo Easter eggs. Yeah. Like, they didn't do that for no reason. Correct. So, something's there. This has all been the opening. I'm Leah. I'm Bethann. And this is She Will Rock You. <laughs> Where are they getting a dub in a CBS executive meeting? No. Bitch, don't touch my thermostat. <laughs> the ghost be like, pull up before I haunt you. Let me turn down the thermostat. Who is this band? We're on page one, guys. <laughs> this is She Will Rock You. It would help if we started the episode. Um, speaking of uh, emo resurrection, uh-huh. we're talking about Avril Lavigne today. It's a nice, a nice transition. For some reason, the song that came in my head because I was going to sing one of her songs, and then it was "Cause You're Everywhere I Breathe." No, 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 that's not it. That's not it. The one that always pops in my head is "Girlfriend" because well, I'll, uh, I'll girlfriend. tell you the story about yeah, yeah. a girlfriend when we get there, but. We are talking about Avril, who is still making music. Unlike those boys, she did not slack. She's been going since uh, 2000, 2000. So, Avril Ramona Levine was born September 27th, 1984, in Belleville, Ontario. Yes, she is Canadian. I forget this fact a lot. That's true. I do forget that as well. She's named Avril because it's the French word for April. Even though she was born in September, <laughs> which really that, bo- is, that is right. Yeah, Avril is the French word. <laughs> it for really April. bothers me that her birthday's not in April. You don't have to be born in April to have the name April. <laughs> I know a lot of Aprils are were born in other times. Well, my niece is named Summer, and she's born in the summer. So, like, oh, that's fair. It, and if my when my sister in law was pregnant again, she was due in October, and I was like, if that girl is if that baby is a girl, you got to name her Autumn, and they were going to, but it was a boy. So. They could have named him the Autumn Man. We got we got Bryce. Uh, anyway, her mother and father recognized their child's vocal ability when she was two years old and started singing "Jesus Loves Me" on the way home from church. That's where it all starts, folks. Gospel <laughs> choir, even though it's her in a car. It's just her in a car. She must have been really good. She had an older brother named Matthew, or has. I don't know. I said had. They're both still alive. She has an older brother named Matthew. And a younger sister named Michelle. And both of them would tease her relentlessly when she sang. You know, just sibling things. Her parents, however, supported her singing. Her father brought her a microphone, a drum kit, a keyboard, and several guitars. What? Okay, like, (laughs) how loaded are they? Because apparently... I 
don't know what they did, but clearly they're not like Shania Twain poverty level here. Yeah, because like, like, oh, look, she can sing. Here's all the instruments. You're five years old. She was two when they figured it out, but she's young when they're doing this. Um, But her dad was also a musician. Mm, okay. I and he led a worship this. center in Ontario. So like... They always do. She grew up around bands and Which guitars. worship center in Ontario? Third day worship center in Kingston, Ontario. I'm having a moment where I might know what that is. Pin that for later. Yeah. We, I, I'm going to save that for my therapist appointment next week. Okay. <laughs> when she was 14 years old, her parents started to take her to karaoke sessions. Which I guess is a low stakes way of getting performance experience. It's, Question it's mark. a way. It's definitely the first time we've heard this career projection, trajection, but whatever. She also would perform at country fairs, singing songs by Garth Brooks, The Chicks, and Shania Twain. There we go. And around this time, when she's like 14, 15, she begins writing her own songs. Her first song that she wrote was called Can't Stop Thinking About You, which was, you know, shockingly about her teenage crush. And she describes the song as cheesy It wasn't about Jesus? No. Mm. It was not about Jesus. That's a shame. They always fall away, don't they? <laughs> also, in high school, in addition to music, she played hockey, as all good Canadians do. As as you should. And won MVP twice. I was about to say, I can see her. I don't know what. She gives me hockey vibes. Playing in a boys league. Yeah, she gives me hockey vibes for sure. I love it. In 1999, she won a radio contest and got to perform with Who Else? But Shania Twain. Excellent. Uh, I think they were like, it, it was kind of unclear, but I think it was some kind of TV broadcast. Um, they did it at the Corral Center in Ottawa. There was an audience of 20,000 people. They played What Made You Say That? And at the end, Levine was like, I'm going to be a famous singer like you one day. Aww. And there's actually s- interviews with Avril in the Shania doc that just dropped. So. That's so cute. It was very weird that the, I did the two of them back to back because I didn't even think about that when I chose to do Avril. Also, this one curl, like he's falling in my eye and it's driving me nuts. Oh, no. In that December 1999, so like after the, the Shania thing happened, Avril Levine gets discovered by her first professional manager. His name is Cliff Fabry. I don't know why he's important. But she was singing at singing cover songs at a bookstore in Kingston, Ontario. And he was like, we are going to make you famous. So he starts sending out VHS tapes like of her home videos that he, I'm pretty sure, just made himself um, to several like big wigs in the industry. And then some of these people flew out to Canada to visit her. One of which was Mark Jowett, which he co-founded a Canadian management firm. Which only put in here that has the dumbest fucking name I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> it's called Network, but it's spelled N-E-T-T-W-E-R-K. I hate it. I hate it. I hate it so much. <laughs> so he got a copy of this tape, which was just literally a videotape of her doing karaoke in her parents' basement. <laughs> but he was like, something's there. And so he arranged for her to work with a guy named Peter Zizzo. In that summer of 2000, she quits school at this point. Like, mm-hmm. she's 17, I think. Music has taken top priority. Yeah. Um, so she moves to New York for the summer, and she starts writing a song uh, called Why. And during this trip, she gets noticed by Arista Records and 
two months later, so this is like summer. So by November mm-hmm. 2000, an A&R representative with Arista comes to the studio to hear her sing. And he literally listened to her sing for 15 minutes and was so impressed that he signed her to Arista with a deal worth $1.25 million for two albums and an extra $900,000 as a publishing advance. So I don't know what she did in this 15 minutes. But she made an impression. Also, Arista is an interesting choice because that's with uh, Aretha Franklin. Yeah. It it didn't really make sense to me. Yeah. But, I mean, if you're looking at what's going on at 2000, like, the pop punk scene didn't exist yet. Yeah. Britney Spears is ha- the hot thing at the moment. Well, it, it was, and then it took over with boy bands. Yes. It's, it's Britney, Spears. Britney Spears and Justin Timberlake are... Yeah. Ch- 2000 is the year that I saw Britney Spears. Like, that's... That's lucky my claim to fame it's my first concert Avril Lavigne has decided that like the people that she fits in with most in her life are were her high school skater clique <laughs> and that's the image they're like hey for your first album you're going skater skater vibes and so could you imagine if they went hockey vibes we, I'm glad they did not that would have been interesting and I guess she had a high school band i'm using that term loosely because i think she worked with them while she was in high school but they weren't in high school yeah she just had this band in, that was back home in ontario their name is closet monster i don't like that i don't like it but um, it's like two years too early monsters inc hasn't come out yeah yeah they were they were a little ahead of their time they got to play on the record um so Arista like brought them down to New York because they wanted like up and coming Canadian punk rockers who fit this image that they had for Avril. So they spent the next couple couple months uh, starting this record with people in New York and they go through like a bunch of different co-writers because they can't settle on a sound. They would write really good songs and they wouldn't really fit Avril's voice mm-hmm. or this like skater punk rock image they had going for so they it took almost a year um it was during a session when they took her to la in may 2001 she worked with a team from the matrix which sounds fake but is real it's a production team company that is slash was in la at the time and in that session they wrote complicated and then, like, the pieces clicked. They're like, this is the sound we're going for. Like, this is the direction of your album. Mm-hmm. This is the breakthrough. And so they work pretty quickly because in June 2002, 13 months later, she released Let Go, which immediately went to number two on the Billboard 200 oh, yeah. charts. Peaks at number one in Australia. That was, let me tell you, watching Nickelodeon then. Yes. During that, during the Avril years, like you found out about her hot and fast. Like it just, it popped in your world and you were like, holy shit, what is this? I did not have internet at this time in my life. I still knew about Avril Lavigne. I had seen the music video for Complicated. I still remember like between commercials seeing Avril Lavigne singing Complicated. Yes. In her little uh, tie. Yeah. Yeah. We all know it. This is like the first artist I think I've covered that I literally remember every step of this career path. Um, so it peaked at number one in Australia, Canada, and the UK, which made Avril, at 17 years old, the youngest female soloist to have a number one album in the UK charts. Which is pretty cool. That is cool. By the end of 2002, so six months later, mm-hmm. the album was already certified four times platinum. 
making her the best-selling female artist of 2002 and let it go why do i keep calling it fucking let it go (laughs) let go (laughs) the top selling debut album of the year uh, by March 2018, which is the last time the stat was updated anywhere I can find, it was certified seven times platinum. Jeez. It's all the millennials. We bought that album. And we wore ties, tied scarves to our jeans. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Who scarf belts. Who the fuck wants to bring this back? I would like answers. I forgot this. about... The thing that is killing me right now is fucking flared yoga pants. Yeah. Those were not a good look the first time. Yeah. They're still not a good look. No. Do not bring this back. We're one step away from gaucho pants. We, we really are. I don't like it. Uh, So her rise to fame is very, very quick because in March 2003, she's already posing for the cover Rolling Stone. That's she's nice. 18, which is crazy. And it's uh, it's this time... I already said that. She, we, we went over her outfit choices. And everyone copying it like Mm -hmm. you you knew that girl at your high school who was dressing like this yes and like i had mentioned earlier she's seen as like the anti-britney where britney's all you know prim proper prim proper glitter avril is eyeliner grunge plaid and it actually she i don't know what year it was but she got to launch her own clothing line and perfume brand at kohl's called abby dawn which i had definitely remember shopping and it probably was not a good look but didn't like maggie friend of the pod maggie like bum into avril yes wearing something yes maggie's from glitter glimmers yes go go give glimmers a listen so in may 2004 she releases her second studio album under my skin by this time they had really settled on a co-writer she's writing all these songs with a canadian co-writer named Chantal Krevizuk. Oh, I thought his name was Chantal. I'm like, is Chantal? No, her her last name is spelled with a lot of letters. I think it's Krevizuk. Oh, her name is Chantal. Yes. Her name is Chantal Krevizuk. I thought the guy's name was Sean followed by Tall. Oh, no. It's Chantal. No, that's Sean Paul. <laughs> <laughs> this is... Who, who's Come on. Li- whose line is anyway? That was good. That's all the strange <laughs> Uh, so this album, Avril was like, she kind of really moved into her her own as a songwriter. I'm going to use that term loosely because I'm pretty yeah. sure most of them were co-writes. But, you know, she's 18. You got to give her some slack. Um, but each song on the album is based off of a personal experience of hers, which is why it's a much more emotional album than the first one. This album includes My Happy Ending, mm. which if you don't know it, that's your fault. It was the album's second single. It went to a top five hit in the UK and Australia. In the US, it immediately went number one. It was on radio for so long. Like, it's for years. I remember hearing this on the radio. To promote this, she went on a live and buy surprise acoustic mall tour. Okay, I remembered this. This is the most 2004 thing I've ever heard. Bring, what, a, what a time. Bring back acoustic mall tours, please and thank you. Yeah, I, I also concur with this. But by that September, she embarked on her first proper world tour, which was called the Bones Tour, where Bones is spelled B-O-N-E-Z. Because we're cool. Because, you know, it's 2004 and we're spelling we're, things We're skaters. Rawr. Okay. We're not there yet. <laughs> 
No, it's X RAR. X RAR X. But one of the X's is capital and one is lowercase. Correct. <laughs> that, that is that is absolutely correct. During this time, either before tour or after tour, I don't know, sometime in 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 this era, Levine actually wrote co-wrote Breakaway with Kelly Clarkson. Really? Yeah, she's the original writer of that song. I did not know that. Huh. Pretty cool. Uh, also, I had forgotten that song was written to be a soundtrack song for Princess, Princess Diaries 2. <laughs> yes. I literally quoted Princess Diaries 2 in a committee meeting today. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. I was, they were doing a, what do you call, uh, voting on something. I said, <coughs> make a motion. <laughs> <laughs> and they're all just like. What? Yeah. And I'm just like, I thought it was funny. Um, I, I didn't know this or I forgot this fact. She recorded the theme song for the SpongeBob SquarePants movie. Really? And that that version was produced by Butch Walker. <laughs> I don't remember that at all. I've seen that movie so many times. I don't remember her singing the theme song. Neither do I. She did. Also around this time, she starts dating Sum 41 lead vocalist Derek Wibley. Otherwise known as... <laughs> 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 Uh, you gotta bleep his do, name out. And do leave you it remember in there. that? Because he yes. looks so much like he him. really does, and he's Canadian. Damn. Uh, so she started dating him when she was nineteen. They had been friends since she was seventeen. They kind of, you know, were in similar circles. In June two thousand five, he proposed to her. They got married in two thousand six in California, and then in two thousand nine, they got divorced. Yep, fast romance. She said, "I'm grateful for our time together," and. We are going to remain friends. So. But the divorce didn't get finalized until 2010 because, you know, American legal system. Mm -hmm. So this one cool fact about Avril Lavigne is she has performed at two Olympics, which I think is fascinating. The first of which was in February 2006. She Mm -hmm. played at the closing ceremony of the Winter Olympics, which were in Italy that year. Torino. Yes. And then... I just, I, one thing I love is Avril just has the most random ass soundtrack songs because also in 2006 she got asked to record a song for the Aragon film and that song fucking slaps it's keep holding on the movie is a piece of steaming garbage <laughs> that should never exist and I refuse to acknowledge as a move as a book to movie adaptation it's like the Paramore song for Twilight like that song does not need to go as hard they as it does. They played Decode last night at the album launch No, they show. fucking did they it. They fucking did. No. Yes. Dude, I remember when that came out on my iPod, man. Whew. I remember, this is a Whew. total sidebar, but my drama club in high school, <laughs> this is embarrassing how they say it a lot, we had a Twilight-themed uh, roller skating party. Don't. <laughs> Why? <laughs> that is the most <laughs> ungodly idea. The ungodly idea. The soundtrack slapped. It's a great soundtrack. We all have not all ideas need to come to fruition. We all have the hot topic shirts. <laughs> um, <laughs> I can make it really embarrassing. Zach dressed as Edward. Of course, I was Team Edward. Clearly. Um, yeah, so I just remember that song Dakota playing at the, the roller That's skating so party. Funny. Anyway, so yes, she had Keep Holding On in the Aragon film. 
Her third album, The Best Damn Thing, came out in April 2007, immediately debuted at number one on the U.S. Top 200, and went platinum in Canada, like, I don't want to say from day one, but, like, pretty quickly. Yeah. The lead single, Girlfriend, became her first number one single on the Hot 100 and one of the decade's biggest singles, which is where, (laughs) yes. So, I didn't have internet, obviously, at this time still, and so I didn't know the song existed. And these two girls danced to what I didn't know was an edit in the talent show that year. So my little self, when I have internet access, goes and gets on LimeWire. I download the song. I think I'm cool. Uh, playing it on my iPod. And all of a sudden she says, hell yeah, I'm the motherfucking princess. And I was like, this is the coolest song I've ever heard in my life. I felt, I felt You just s- turn it down a little bit when your mom's in the... <laughs> felt so rebellious for having a song that said fuck on it in my in my ipad ipad ipod ipod my big ass ipod video i wish i still had that thing anyway uh so let that be a lesson not that we're bootlegging music in 2023 but make sure you know what you're downloading (laughs) so some of you still need to hear that message yes please make sure you know what you're downloading (laughs) so i didn't know this but Girlfriend was such a big song at the time that she recorded it in Spanish, French, Italian, Portuguese, German, Japanese, and Mandarin. Holy cow. I don't really know why, but she did. The International Federation of the Phonographic Industry, which I didn't know existed until I wrote this down, ranked Girlfriend as the most downloaded track worldwide in 2007. It sold 7.3 million copies including the versions in the eight different languages. But I want to know how many people didn't pay for their copy because I sure as hell didn't. <laughs> like, how many downloads? This is bizarre. I didn't know this was, this song was as huge as it was. I don't remember it being as huge as it was. Yeah, I thought it was, oh, Avril came out with another song. Yeah, no. Eight fucking languages. That's crazy. Seven million legal downloads. Um, So, as around this time... That Avril decides she wants to dip her foot into acting. And she starts to take some small bit parts. She gets a scene in the 2007 film The Flock. She played Beatrice Bell, who is the girlfriend of a crime suspect. Claire Danes and Richard Gere are like the stars of this film. Avril is just there. In 2006, she made her debut voice acting in... (laughs) You're not going to remember this. The 2006 film Over the Hedge... Oh, my fucking God. Yes, I do remember that. She was in that? She's the possum with the heavy eyeliner. Oh, God. <laughs> Dude, that just took my brain for a ride for a second. I had the video game for Over the Hedge. and You get to play as the squirrel because, you know, he ran really, yeah. really fast. It was... I loved that game. <laughs> um, She also appeared in a movie called Fast Food Nation, which was based on a book that I've never heard of called Fast Food Nation, The Dark Side of the All-American Meal. I have heard of that. Sounds like a terrible film adaptation because it was like a fictionalized adaptation of the book. I don't know. They apparently trace these burgers that are contaminated back to the slaughterhouse. But Avril Lavigne is there because she plays a high school student intent on freeing the cows. (laughs) I, too, would also free the cows. Yeah. In that situation, you got to free the cows. Yeah, of course. So both of these, both Over the Hedge and Fast Food Nation, opened the 2006 Cannes Film Festival, which I just love a bunch of stuffy French film buffs having to be wa- forced to be watching Over the Hedge. An American uh, fast food yes. nation. Um, 
so they asked her like are you going to pursue a film career and she said I'm just going to wait for the right parts in the right movies and then never start anything else ever again that's hilarious but don't worry her music's taking off because you know Girlfriend's such a hit that in March 2008 she went on a world tour called the best damn world tour as it should be but on this tour in mid-August 2008 she, she scheduled to play in Malaysia and Malaysia's Islamic party, the opposition party, so like yeah. the ones not in power, the Pan-Malaysian Islamic party, attempted to ban Avril Lavigne's tour stop in Kuala Lumpur, judging her stage moves, quote, too sexy. There are many artists that might be too sexy. Avril Lavigne no. is not one of them. No. No. Sir, she wears a tie. <laughs> She's, we are good. Yeah. So they they really thought that like her her concert was gonna get canceled because it was the show was canceled or was scheduled for August 29th. Malaysians Independence Day is on August 31st, but miraculously the Malaysian government approved it like two days before it was supposed to be. Okay. So, random fun fact. Continuing her clothing design trend in January 2010. January 2010 was a big month for goths because. Tim Burton released his version of Alice in Wonderland. I remember that. And Avril Lavigne got to work with Disney slash Tim Burton to design a clothing line. Oh, that's cool. Based on the movie. She also recorded, shockingly, a song for its soundtrack called Alice, uh, which is played over the end credits of the movie. I don't remember this song, like literally at all. So clearly it did not make an impression on me. And then that February, she performed at her second Olympics, the Vancouver 2010 Winter Olympics, also during the closing ceremony. What not year was that? 2010. Oh, damn. So not okay. even the Spice Girls can say they have two Olympics. I think it's pretty cool. That is cool. Um, pretty much right after that, she started recording her fourth studio album, Goodbye Lullaby. And... The weirdest fact about this is the opening track of that album is called Black Star. And it was literally written just to help promote her first fragrance that she released. At the t- uh, that's a way to <laughs> do it. I don't like it. That's a way to do it. Um, but the rest of the album is about her life experiences rather than relationships. And it's a little bit less pop rock than her previous albums, which is just a sign of she was getting older. It's 2008. So she's like in her later 20s. Uh mid-20s this album did get delayed a lot like like four or five times which she just said it was because of her label who knows if that's the reason we're we're just gonna roll with it but the lead single what the hell was a moment when it dropped i remember it being everywhere i don't remember this song all my life i've been good but now oh what the i remember this Nope. It being everywhere. What year was it? 2012? 10. Yeah. Nope. Damn. But I was really in the only ex- uh, exclusive to the metal scene. Yeah, you're not listening to Avril Lavigne? No, I'm not listening to Avril at that time. So three months... Uh, this Remember this album got like super, super delayed? Three months after this album comes out, she announced that she's already started on her fifth album and it'll be out really soon. Which she says, it's the musical opposition of Goodbye Lullaby, and I'm going to go pop and more fun again. So I don't think that the other one was received very well. The lead single of this next album was Here's to Never Growing Up, 
which was produced by Martin Johnson of Boys Like Girls. Hmm. And you can kind of tell that in the production style. It definitely has that Boys Like Girls yeah, sound. Yeah, sheen, sheen to it. Yeah. So that came out in April 2013. Uh, the second single is Rock and Roll. The actual song is not important, other than the fact that it features... No, wait. Rock and Roll is second. The third is Let Me Go. I don't remember this song at all. Not Let Go. Not Let It Go. Let Me Go. Let Me Go. Which features Avril's then-husband, Chad Kroger of Nickelback. Dude, let me tell you. The year is like 2017. Okay? Around there. And I am on Wikipedia. Just doing my whole search. And when I find this fact... (laughs) When I find this fact, I couldn't fucking believe my eyes. <laughs> they were not they were not married very long. Um, so the backstory on this is she began dating fellow Canadian uh, musician Chad Kroger, frontman of Nickelback, in July 2012. The relationship blossomed after they started working together in March 2012 to write music for her fifth album. They got engaged in August 2012. See, there's there's your problem. After one month of dating. That's the problem. They did get married at a reconstructed medieval castle in the Mediterranean on the well, south of well, France. Well, that's fucking cool. On Canada Day. I don't know if that was <laughs> intentional. Hold on. I had some root beer. <laughs> that, that's really fucking funny. <laughs> <laughs> that's the most canadian american thing to do it's like, like getting married on fourth of july it's like getting married on fourth of july um when they got married they'd only been together a year and they announced their separation in september 2015 yeah I got a lot. she does not have a good track record with being married um it's i don't think it's a character flaw i think it's that she exclusively dates musicians see there's and that's problem. her problem that, that's exactly your problem don't date musicians so her next album is just called Avril Lavigne. It's released in November 2013. I'm not going to harp on this album, but I do want to touch on the fourth single from the album, which is called Hello Kitty, which got like a lot of flack for being racist. Oh, jeez. Which she denied. I should have watched it. I'm assuming it's very much a... Um, this is... I didn't watch it. So this is me assuming. It's a Gwen Stefani Harajuku Girls. Yeah, I was wondering if that's the direction it went. Because it's not that much further after it. It's 2014. So, like, we hadn't really learned from Gwen's mistakes yet. Uh, repeated mistakes she keeps making. Yes. Then, jumping... She doesn't really do a whole lot during this period. Which we'll find out why in a little bit. But... Jumping ahead to her sixth album, Head Above Water, that came out in 2019. Uh, I remember people hating this album when it came out because it was very Christian-y sounding, mm. like in a bad way. Like it sounded like 2008 Casting Crowns mm. and not like, e. it just wasn't a good vibe. Well, I mean, she was going to return to her roots eventually. She had to. Uh, there were three singles off this album, Head Above Water, Tell Me It's Over, and Dumb Blonde. And the uh, the title track, Head Above Water, drew inspiration from her battle with Lyme disease. There's a theme here. The fucking ticks, man. I'm like terrified to ha- get some kind of disease from a tick. So that's why she had been, she was pretty quiet for the years between, I guess, 2015 and 2019. Don't get bit by ticks. Uh, get, catching up to like present present day albums. On January 8th, 2021, a collaboration between Avril Lavigne and Mod Sun dropped called Flames. And 
like a month later she's like oh hey yeah by the way i finished my next album and then like right after that she announced that she and Madsen were dating <laughs> they just got engaged yeah i saw that in april 2022 so january 13th 2022 she announced her seventh studio album love sucks which how has it been a year since she announced it already the second single off the record love it when you hate me was dropped on january 14th so like the day after she announced the album featured black bear the album came out like really quickly after this announcement on february 25th mm-hmm. and it was it was a hot couple weeks avril was everywhere she debuted at number nine yeah that was a good album 200 number three in canada i also love the cover i think I the, do cover love the cover is well made i don't like that this is a very nitpicky thing the amazon version of the vinyl is orange with a red like cover. That. It is the most clashing thing I I've ever like seen. I still need to get a copy of this, like a physical copy. Uh also last year in June 20 June 13th, 2022, a anniversary edition of Let Go was released for the album's 20th anniversary. Mm. If you want to feel old. Um it did include six previously unreleased bonus tracks, including the Avril Lavigne version of Breakaway. Oh, which is cool. That's cool. It sounds exactly the same because she wrote it. But September 2022, Avril Lavigne attended, presented, and performed at the 15th Annual Academy of Country Music Honors at the Ryman Auditorium in Nashville. She was there to honor Shania Twain. So she performed a cover of Shania's No One Needs to Know and presented Shania Twain with her ACM Poets Award, which is a very random pairing if you ask me like i know that she inspired avril's career but like you could have gotten kelsey ballerini to do it just (laughs) as easily as you could have gotten avril but i was not on the committee uh then in october last year she just randomly dropped the deluxe edition of love sucks and was like oh and here's this song with young blood which i do love but it sounds like a disney channel song in a good way I don't know how to describe Hi, it. Hi, I'm Avril, and you're watching Disney Channel. Basically. Uh, I forgot where I was going. In, so then in October, this past October, still like four months ago, they did a Twitter Q&A with her and Youngblood to promote the song. And she was like, oh, yeah, I've already started my next studio album. And she's working with John Feldman, Youngblood, and then Alex from All Time Low. So hmm. I expect a very similar like love sucks sound. Yeah. It, did you say Travis is helping with some of it? No. Okay. He probably will. <laughs> He'll be there. Travis Barker. has. He needs 30 seconds to record a drum track. The man, and I am talking more philosophically, is naked and literally just like pinning all, all the music that is coming out like this is mine. He's just vibing. You can listen to the Blink-182 for context that'll make sense if you listen to that episode so talking about her legacy she's considered a highlight in the pop punk and alternative scene because she kind of paved the way for every other female pop punk artist um she's pre-paramore yep but kind of opened up the reception of paramore sky sweetenham fifi dobson kelly osborne Mm -hmm. like she paved the way um, she's often compared to alternative female singer-songwriters of the 90s, such as Alanis Morissette, Liz Fair, and Courtney Love, um, just for, you know, paving the way into a new alternative sound. 
2003, she won an International Achievement Award for the song Complicated uh, at an awards ceremony in Toronto. She's received eight Grammy Awards nominations in two years, including Best New Artist. I don't know how her album did not get nominated Hmm. this year for Best Alternative. I don't understand the Grammys. Whatever. She has achieved a Guinness World Record as being the youngest female solo artist to top the UK album charts. Because when she topped it in 2003, she was 18 years and 106 days. She only held that record for a year, though, because um, Joss Stone beat her out with Mind, Body, and Soul the following year. She was the first person ever to reach 100 million views on a YouTube video. Hmm. Guess what song? Girlfriend. Yeah. Um, and she's also the first Western artist ever to do a full tour in China. Huh. She's considered the biggest Western artist in Asia, especially Japan, where her first three albums have sold more than one million copies, uh, being the only female Western artist since the 2000s to achieve it, which is pretty cool. Um, we can't close out this episode without talking about did you know Avril Lavigne was replaced by a lookalike named Melissa in 2003? I knew it. I knew you were fucking going to go for it. I was. We got to the legacy and I was like, really? We're, we're not going to... Yeah, everything I told you was a lie. Avril Lavigne died and was replaced with a body double. They've been telling this <laughs> shit for years. First it was Lady Gaga, then it was Britney. Now it's Avril. Um, yeah, so the conspiracy started on Warehouse, but Twitter... Where it recirculates every couple years. Um, it was started, everyone thinks it started in 2005, originated by a Brazilian fan page. And the, the theory claims that Avril was really struggling with fame at the beginning of her career. And so she just didn't want to make like red carpet appearances. So she just sent her body double named Melissa. And then at some point, the real Avril died. And so Melissa just took over her whole career. Um, the proof that these conspiracy theorists have, uh, really just centers around the fact that (laughs) when she's on the red carpet, she wears a dress (laughs) where normally (laughs) she wears pants. (laughs) Um, that's it. That's, that's the proof. Let me tell you guys something who start these series. And this is the truth. Record labels would make more money off of you if you were dead than if you were alive. Because if you die, you will, all of a sudden, there's going to be this resurgence of, yeah. it's like when Michael Jackson passed, all of a sudden, his songs hit all the charts. Yeah. And any money you would make in the long run, you will make more when you die. You don't need a body double. Anyway. You don't need a body double. Um, they, she got asked about this in many interviews over the years, and she's just like, no, that's stupid. I yeah. just wear a dress when I'm on the red carpet. Like, that's just <laughs> what you do. I don't know. Uh, so that's Avril Lavigne. Thank you for listening. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Good Pods. Special thanks to Defafon for our intro riff. You can visit our website at shieldrocky.com. There you find our socials, show notes, contact us, and merch. Other than that, don't do drugs. Don't do drugs.